Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone! Fire! Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Hello, welcome everyone to Star Trek from the Holodeck. I am Michael, the captain of Brain Man Digital, and at the helm of my starship is Lieutenant Commander David. Hello, David. How's it going, everyone? I'm enjoying the promotion. Yeah. Where's Deanna Troy? I want to use her communicator. (laughs) Just I'm just gonna smack that communicator. All right, so Dave, we are doing our update show today. We have lots of Star Trek news to sort through. Surprisingly, the Star Trek news never stops. I am loving this new era of Star Trek. I may have my problems with some of the story decisions at times, but the the fact that we are getting so much Star Trek, I can't hate. I'm very excited. 2020s are going to be huge for Star Trek. All right, so to start things off, Dave, let's talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Prodigy. They are going to be debuting CTV and Sci-Fi in Canada. So they are already working on their distribution deals. It's a little silly, in my opinion, that a lot of these Star Trek shows, these different Star Trek shows, all being produced by the same company. Yeah, they're all getting internationally. They all have different international distribution, mm-hmm. which, listen, that's nothing new. In the old days, you would get all types of different strategies behind international distribution. But typically with a franchise, there's usually one decision. Like, yes. This is what we're going to use. We're going to use CTV and sci-fi, and that's how we're going to broadcast in Canada. But so far in this new era of Star Trek, we have Amazon being the main distributor for Picard internationally. We had Netflix be the main distributor for Discovery internationally. Mm -hmm. And then in Canada, you don't even have to pay for Star Trek. It premieres or debuts, or I should say it airs on free television. Yes. So it is all over the map. It's like the, the powers at CBS slash Paramount are just like, fuck it. Let's get it out there everywhere. It doesn't matter what decisions we do and what strategy. Let's just find the easiest distributor that makes sense for this specific series. Yeah. Now, I will say Strange New Worlds not using Amazon or Netflix, at least for Canada, does make a lot of sense. Number one, because Anson Mount is huge in Canada, in Canada. because of Hell on Wheels. Hell on Wheels, yeah. Hell on Wheels changed the game for Canada in a lot of ways when it comes to filming. It brought in a lot of work. It created a lot of enthusiasm within the local industry out there. And he is well-known and very well-liked out there. So for him to be in Star Trek Strange New Worlds and they find this type of distribution strategy for Canada makes a lot of sense. Oh, absolutely. Because like the... 
from the strategy that it just seems to be is like the total opposite of Marvel and Disney where they want to have full control over everything that goes out. Yeah. But on the Star Trek side, it's like, no, we need to get everything out in all avenues Mm -hmm. because we want to revitalize this franchise. And that's what seems to be the end game. They're using any tactic they can. And honestly, I think it's smart. It's smart. It it does create some problems in the way of, you know, creating buzz. Uh, Yeah, because... Not everyone has Amazon, so when you distribute Picard on Amazon, people may miss it. Yeah. You know, so it is a little strange, but the problem is is that we have all these streaming shows that don't have infrastructure. Like CBS, about five, six years ago, was the largest network in the world. Yes. They are no longer the largest network. They're still huge, but that doesn't mean they have the infrastructure for streaming. Mm -hmm. They have the infrastructure for broadcast television. And now that they're moving into streaming, it's a problem that a lot of streaming platforms are having. They don't have the infrastructure for international release. Yes. So they have to make deals with other streaming services to get their content out. I have a feeling eventually Paramount Plus and CBS will eventually get their infrastructure down to where they can distribute their content through just their app. Yeah. Which is, in my opinion, is probably ideal. I know there are people out there and there's definitely an argument to be made about making those syndication deals, those distribution deals with other companies that have possibly a larger reach. We know that Amazon Mm -hmm. and Netflix are much bigger than Paramount. So they're just going to have a much broader reach. Yes. So there is an argument to be made that these syndication and distribution deals are sound, but at the same time as a company, many of these streaming shows, or I should say streaming services, they want to hold on to their content. And obviously Paramount finds more benefit in making deals opposed to just being greedy with their content. And yeah. And sharing the, sharing the franchise, so to speak, because that's what now the one thing I just came to realize too, is like, could this be the sign that basically we're going to get more Star Trek shows? Because if Paramount's willing to, Hey, you know, Hey, here you go. Amazon, here's a Star Trek series. You get a Star Trek series. You get a Star Trek series. (laughs) Everyone gets a Star Trek series. So do you think we would see more Star Trek series suddenly within the next five years? Yeah, I we're not done. We're not done. We're going to get a lot more Star Trek because, for sure. Because you got to figure that basically, okay, we have Picard, Discovery, Prodigy, Lower Strange Decks. New Worlds, and Lower Decks. Did you say Strange No Worlds? Oh, Strange No Worlds. I kinda, Strange New Worlds. I don't like that title. <laughs> but that's five series right there. Oh, isn't it amazing? Uh, and in five years, do you think we would actually see maybe? Let's 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 aim for in, the stars. In five, five more? Uh, no, I think in five years you're going to see Discovery end because that'll put them at like season nine if they go for five years. Yeah, um, which I don't think they're going to go for nine years. I do hope they go for at least seven, which is the traditional for Star Trek. That would be nice. Picard is going to be done. They recently dropped some news on us, not officially, but John Delancey, who plays Q, Q. is returning 
to Star Trek in the second season of Picard. Yes, he is. And he is just talking, talking, <laughs> talking. He doesn't know how to shut up. He doesn't know how to stop. <laughs> he has dropped so much information. I like it. So far, he hasn't, oh, re- I love it. he hasn't released anything that you would call spoilers. No. But he is telling people a lot of things that we have not heard. For example, apparently, we have more than just another season of Picard in the works. We had heard officially that the show was picked up for a second season. We have not heard officially about a season three. According to John Delancey, they are shooting season two and season three back to back. <laughs> have you heard that at all, David? I've heard that. I've heard him say that. Okay, I was from like, John, going... But from John Delancey, I'm talking but... about from official channels. Have no. you heard that at no. all? No, not at all. And that's why I love John Delancey yeah, because awesome. I'm like going... The man doesn't know when to shut up. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm glad that he's doing that because this is information that can sow seeds of excitement. Yeah. And, but you know what? I can see basically if I can see the flip side too, if I was a producer or something, I'd yeah. be like, Wait, why can't he shut up? Well, yes, I would be nervous. I wouldn't mind him saying the things he's saying after it's said. And I'm like, okay, that's okay for him to say that. But I would be nervous with the amount of talking he does. Because I would be waiting for that one bit that would be considered a spoiler. But so far, he hasn't done that. I will say, Dave, that this news that John Delancey dropped on us does make me a little more excited. And I have not been excited <laughs> for, for Picard. No, no. For a lot of reasons. Because I, I don't want to get into it. It's the people power already, of Q, dude. People already know. But it's not even the power of Q, Dave. It's the fact that they're shooting season two and season three back to back. Do you know what that tells me, David? Are you ready for this? What? They have a fucking plan. Yes, the they fact do. that they're shooting season two and three back to back means they have their fucking scripts completely done before they're shooting because you can't shoot <laughs> season two back to back with season three unless you know what the fuck is happening. So that makes me a little more excited because we know the biggest problem with season one of Picard was that there was no strategy. There was no plan. No. The showrunner had said that he didn't even know what the story was until episode five. Then, just last month, the new showrunner of Picard had voiced his opinion on the first season and said he knows there was problems with the first season. And what did he say? That problem was lack of foresight. That was the problem with season one. There wasn't a lot of strategy behind the story. We didn't really know what we were doing and where we were going until late in the game. We didn't know our ending. That's the problem of the entire run of the first season. But now that they are shooting season two and season three back to back, David, the game has changed. They're doing it the right way. They have their story planned planned out. Now, here's the thing that's surprising me, though. I... Going into Picard season two and the reveal that Q was going to be there, mm-hmm. I thought Q would only be available for season two. What, Q be available or John Delancey? Are you trying to get a um, little meta here or what? Well, John Delancey, I, I only thought that basically we would only see Q in season two. Yeah. The fact that he, they're shooting season two and season three back to back and John Delancey's there, that means that Q carries on into season three. Which means we're getting a epic character driven story because you're not going to have Q around 
unless it matters to Picard. Unless it matters. Exactly. So the fact that he is pro- possibly, it seems like he's involved with season two and three since he said we are, sh- we are shooting season two and three back to back, that does let us know, okay, well, he was going to be here for a while. He's going to be a part of the overarching story. I mean, can you imagine if they do like a condensed version of all seven seasons of TNG when it comes to the bookends that um, or I should say the bookends of TNG and how Q was used for the beginning and the end, the end. as a way to add consistency to the entire seven year run. Imagine if they I don't want them regurgitating that story has been done, but imagine if they do something similar. I think I think they would do something similar. And we don't see him every episode. I don't yeah. want to see him every I episode. I want to see him every episode. Have him be in the beginning. Have him be in the middle. Have him be in the end. Here's the here's the thing that I thought about how they're gearing up for it. I honestly think they're going to do while Q while the Q storyline was the bookend for all seven seasons of TNG. Yeah, and it encompassed everybody. I think the Q storyline for season two, especially. Now, knowing that he's going to be continuing on in season three. Well, we are assuming. We're assuming. I think it's going to be more of a personal story with Picard. Yeah, it has to be. It David. has to be. David, that it's leads called more, Picard. Yeah. It has to be a more personal story. And it, it leads credence to like what you said about this is going to be a more character driven season, which I'm very psyched about. And yeah. yes, I'm getting psyched about Picard. God have mercy on my soul. And I'm getting upset (laughs) at myself now because I'm setting myself up for disappointment. Although I feel like the writing is on the wall for all the producers to clearly, unless they're sticking their head in the sand, there is no way. There's no way that everyone on board Picard, the decision makers, as well as Patrick Stewart, there's no way they are not aware that the majority of the fans hated and despised the first season of the card. There's no way they don't know that. There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> so that being said, I feel like they're making the right decisions. It seems like that they're making the right decisions to fix, to course correct and repair whatever damage they did during that first season. It yeah. does. It does seem that way just be uh, because of all the news that we're getting. Now, the next thing is also pertaining to Picard. And it has to do with Gates McFadden. Now, I am not a fan, nor am I an advocate to throw in every TNG cast member you can find into Picard. It just doesn't really make sense. It doesn't. So far, the ones they've had, minus that shitty Brent Spiner uh, son, <laughs> what was that? Inago or Inigo or Iago? Fucking bullshit. Whatever his name was, that that's not the same thing. But you know, having Riker and Deanna Troy and the and uh, and Data, that makes perfect sense with how they use them. They use them appropriately. Gates McFadden was a huge part of Picard's personal story this, much yes, more than Riker much more than Deanna Troy in fact in the finale of TNG they doubled down on this relationship this unspoken love that they had for each other during these seven years and they alluded to it in the finale of TNG when they were married 
She was Captain Picard of a yes. science starship. Of a science starship. Now, they were no longer married when we got to Old Man Picard at the end of TNG. I believe it was All Good Things was the name of the episode. Yes. Whenever he time jumped to the old version of himself, he was married to her. Yeah. Or, at, or he had been married to her. And they had a great relationship. And they've always had a very intimate relationship it wasn't sexual in nature per se but it easily could have been if they were oh, easily if they were under different circumstances but because she was the doctor of the ship and he was the captain of the ship it never really went that way but they always maintained that intimacy in in, in a friendship type way that you can see easily turn into something romantic if the writers wanted them to it would have made perfect sense so to have gates mcfadden or and I even say Guinan. I mean, if I had to choose two characters, Gates McFadden, Dr. Crusher, I should say. Dr. Crusher. And Guinan are two characters that have to be, in my opinion, a part of Picard's story. I honestly think, yeah, you're right. I mean, even more so than, than Troy. And I understand the love for Data. I really do. I understand the importance of Data's story. No, no it made perfect sense. It made perfect yeah, it sense. it made sense. However, I had my it, issues with how they did it, but yeah. it did make sense. When it comes to Picard's personal story, the two char- the characters that really influenced him, Guinan, because how many times did Picard go seek Guinan's guide, uh, guidance? Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say Guinan and Dr. Crusher and Dr. are Crusher. both more relevant to Picard than even Deanna Troy was. Oh, easily. Easily. Because, like, the... Every single episode in TNG where you see Dr. Crusher with Picard, it's always in this confident, confidant type of scene. Yeah. And Deanna Troy was more linked to Riker's development and also linked to Worf. She was linked to Worf, I want to say, during the last, what, two seasons, maybe three seasons. She was very connected to Worf whenever they brought Alexander on the show. And the, the the relationship between Troy and Picard is far different than yeah Picard's relationship with Doctor Crusher because yeah. like with when you have the dynamic in TNG, Troy is seen kind of like I don't want to see is say that Picard looks at his crew as like their children, but they are they're they're like the young they're 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 their own club because remember that was a whole point of it at the end of all good things when he finally comes yeah. to the poker game and he says you know i should have done this more yeah to get closer to them the only person that he was truly close to was dr crusher and guinan and you can you can make you can make the statement that yes data but well, out of, definitely data, I would say. Out of all the uh, out of those three characters, I always felt the one person that he was always close with was Dr. Crusher. Yeah. So hopefully they'll find a way to bring her into season three. Who knows? Although, Mike, if we get Dr. Crusher, that means we'd have to get Wesley. No, no we don't, David. <laughs> that does a, get, would you shut your mouth? We have to get Wesley. Wesley just shows up. Are you my dad? Oh, my God. <laughs> you fucking little shithead. <laughs> now, I know some people were wanting Michael Dorn, you know, a.k.a. Worf and LeVar Burton, a.k.a. Jordy. And honestly, we're not going to get Michael Dorn as Worf no. for a lot of reasons. 
number one, his story continued with Deep Space Nine. So they got to be careful with that. Number one. Number two, you got to remember this new era of Star Trek. Have you not wondered why we have not seen Klingons outside of Discovery? Exactly. Because Michael Dorn would not look like Worf. Like Worf. If you were to try to bring Worf into Star Trek in this new era of Star Trek, it would conflict or contradict what Alex Kurtzman and his group of clowns put together for the first season of Discovery, where they made the Klingons look almost like amphibian or reptilian. Yes, and you would see the entire fandom explode in a nuclear explosion. Yeah, how do you how do you bring Worf in and make him look like that? Yes. It, it would feel weird. It'd feel very strange. It, it would and it still does. It it feels weird the moment they introduced Picard into the show. We always knew Picard existed. We knew yeah. these other Klingons existed, but it didn't bother me because I'm like, okay, well they're starting a new a new uh a new look, which has nothing new in Star Trek. That's why I gave them the benefit of the doubt. We have seen alien species change all the time. Them changing the way the Klingons look is nothing new. Yeah. However, changing the way an alien species looks that's directly connected to a beloved character does create some issues because exactly. how do you bring that character back, back when you've changed the look of the Klingons? Exactly. And then with, with Jordy, as much as I love LeVar Burton, maybe they can and, use Q to justify the change. Of like, Oh <laughs> dude, they that, can use Q for everything. You look like a fucking amphibian. Like that won't work at like, all. Oh, ding. <laughs> but like, oh, stupid. I love LeVar Burton and I love the character. I've always oh, loved yeah. the character of Jordy. I have Jordy, no problem with any of them. But he doesn't tie into Picard's story. David, you and I have always said that we are the biggest fans of our things. You know, we love Star Trek with tons of passion and we love our characters. But that doesn't mean we want them in everything. everything. Because over, no matter how much of a fan that we may be of certain characters, if it doesn't feel right for the story, I don't want them there. there. I am not exactly. a fan service type of fan. I don't want fan service. And what I want is a good story. And if that means never seeing Jordy again, because it just doesn't work in the story, then we'll never see him again. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I have seven years and four movies where I can watch Jordy and enjoy it. And, and I'm sorry, we missed the boat with actually bringing Jordy in, because if you wanted to bring a character like that in, you should have brought them in when you dealt with data because if they were smart, David, they would have made Picard season one feel vaguely familiar to the finale to the finale of TNG. Exactly. Jordy's the one who brings Picard back into space. Data helps him solve the problem. Riker comes in when he needs to be Emerald Riker. It would feel listen, you can do it without having the exact same story. You can give us those similar vibes. Yeah. And and that's why I say is like you missed the boat. If yeah. fans want Jordy there, you kind of missed it the now because left. the boat, the boat left, left and all the passengers on it got coronavirus. It's done. <laughs> it's done. It's over. You can't bring you can't reopen that box because guess what data's gone there's no tie to to picard at this point for jordy why why would jordy actually show up yeah (laughs) it's true 
All right, so let's go backwards just a bit and continue our discussion on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Becca Romaine, oh, so hot, teases How? the original series Easter eggs and fun with Spock on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. How is it that Rebecca Romaine doesn't age, dude? Yeah, she's <laughs> so hot. All right, so she says in the interview, this is the story of the 10 years on the Enterprise. This is the 10 years leading up to Captain Kirk on the Enterprise. So this is Captain Pike and number one, and Spock is a science officer. We outrank him, which is really fun, because when does anybody ever outrank Spock? That's pretty true, except for Captain Kirk, right? That's true. So last fall during Star Trek Day, Strange New World's writer Davy Perez, which is from Supernatural fame, talked about this different character dynamic with Pike and number one being sort of parental figures to the ship and in specific to Spock. We also saw elements of this played out, of course, in Star Trek uh, Short Treks, the episode titled Q&A. So according to Rebecca Romaine Stamos, she mentions this 10 years. It's likely she's not being exact with the time. The second season of Star Trek Discovery was actually set eight years before Kirk, Kirk, Kirk command of the USS Enterprise. And it is expected that Stranger Worlds will pick up after that. So roughly, you know, eight to 10 years, right? Yeah. So she says it's in keeping with the original series. Uh, they're standalone episodes. It's a little bit lighter. Uh, we are visiting planets, we are visiting colonies, and we are so proud of the work so far. She says, I can't say anything else because there are so many Easter eggs on this show, but we are being very, very excited. But we are very, very excited to introduce this show. I just hope that the Easter eggs are not, like, frustrating. No, they, <laughs> I want them to be things that Star Trek fans would know. That's yes. it. Don't draw too much attention to them unless they're vital parts of your episode, then that's a different thing. But if they're true Easter eggs, just let the fans pick them out. Yes. Don't draw attention to them. Just be true to the world of Star Trek at this time and everything will work just fine. And they have some really good writers on board this show. Davy Perez is a, is an amazing writer for television. He was one of my favorite writers on Supernatural, a yes, show that was. just ended. He did he some was, of the best Supernatural stuff too. Yes, he did some of the best episodes of Supernatural. So when I found out that he became a part of this show, I got really excited because he's fucking good. So I'm actually really excited. I'll be perfectly honest here, Dave. I'm more excited for Strange New Worlds than I am for uh, Discovery season four. Easily, easily. I'm sorry to say that. And I'll even say Picard season two and three because that crew, number one, Pike, Spock, worked so well with season three of Discovery. They, in, in a lot of ways, it was good that the Discovery producers decided to move on past them. They needed to because if they kept them around, they would have ended up stealing the show. Yeah. Because they were the best parts of season three. They made season three as good as it was because of their involvement and how they were able to innovate that story into discovery. Yeah. So it is smart that they moved past them. In fact, I believe I said that during our discussion for season three, I said they need to be careful because the worst thing you can do to a TV show is introduce guest stars and the guest stars end up being everyone's favorite. And then you have to remove them. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's happened in TV shows before. And you know what usually happens? They have to bring those people back in order to save the show. Otherwise, it's going to get canceled. <laughs> yeah. So they were smart to move on rather quickly. Oh, easily. It's one of those things that me and you were stating about, like, how it was a smart move of Discovery to, first off, bring in Spock, but the way they used him was to actually kind of push Burnham's story forward. And then bringing in Pike to push the story of the crew of the Discovery forward so that we could get to know them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm strange. New worlds is my number one, most anticipated star Trek series. I know I, on this show that I've always stated Q is my favorite character of all time. He is. I love John Delancey. I love what Q does to star Trek. However, Strange New Worlds, just how good they were in in season two, yeah, made me so excited to see, honestly, a captain, a true captain, finally. What? That we get to actually see, you know, while, yes, Burnham could probably be a good captain. Everyone rooted for Saru to be captain. Everyone loved Giorgio. I'm sorry, the best captain in this new era has been Pike. Oh, without a doubt. His story has uh, in well just his the gravitas the of gravitas. his character and the screen presence he brought to the show. He is a star. That's why I feel like he was the I will say that Oscar Isaac's Lorca was also really good. Lorca was great, but his mystique was just shattered. And, but the thing is I also love George as captain. I feel like you have three A-list celebrities in the way oh, of, absolutely, yeah. of screen presence they're all three of them are very good at what they do but the thing is oscar isaacs was a villain Giorgio died and then we got a different version she wasn't a captain and then we had pike and then we had pike who was a true captain yeah so i do agree with you i'm just saying that those other two were were really good if they had moved forward with them as actual captains of the show but we've been set back continually over the last what three seat four three seasons, <laughs> three seasons because of not really having a true captain, a true captain on that show and i feel like it's actually kind of hurt the show a bit and that's for, for the regular star trek fans that are used to a certain formula yeah but i will say that's one thing that's very positive and exciting about strange new worlds is that we're revisiting the old style of format of the show and exactly. that's something that is just not done in today's streaming world, we don't write shows like that anymore. For no. the most part, everything's very tight in the way of serialized storytelling. So to see a modern take on Trek go back to the original format, that right there is really exciting really as well. It's really exciting. I mean, even if you think about it, even with Laura Dex, which we both liked. Yeah. The captain is not the main, main focus. I will say, I will say this proudly. Lower Decks is the best new Star Trek element of this era. What else are you going to compare it to? I mean, Discovery's you know, had massive problems. Discovery has had problems, but I do love Discovery still. Yeah, no, I love Discovery, but I feel like Lower, Lower Decks, Decks is, was the best and funnest. I think it's the most Trek. I think it's the most Trek of <laughs> yeah, all of is. the new Trek. It is. It's not me talking trash it's about silly. the other things. I've enjoyed everything else they've given us for the most part, uh, but I feel like Lower Decks really gets it. Yes. Anson Mount says in an interview that 
the process behind the filming is one of the smoothest starts he has ever experienced on a television set and that he's very happy with the material and we're all having a good time together. So that's good. And that's definitely a contrast to some of the other news we've had leak leaked from the set. For example, there was a rumor for months that Anson Mount was having massive problems. Creative differences was one of the directors on the set of discovery season two that almost ended the shooting that there were some problems between him and this director. And then we've heard of people being fired at the very first season of discovery. We have now gone through what four different showrunners for (laughs) discovery. And then we have two showrunners now for two seasons of Picard. So things aren't super smooth. So to hear from Anson Mount's mouth that everything's been fairly smooth from this set makes me feel a lot better because we always know that actors and writers and directors perform much better when the conditions are good are good yeah all right anything else you want to add to that before i move on no go go ahead all right so star trek shazad latif i believe that's how you pronounce his name talks rumblings of section 31 star trek series he says there's just rumblings (laughs) CBS has been developing a new Star Trek series centered around Michelle Yeoh's Emperor Giorgio, her character for two years now. And now one actor that has been expected to be a part of it is dropping a few new details on the status of this Section 31 project. And they say the status of this possible Section 31 project. This is really disconcerting. It, It seems like the as the weeks and months and years go by that the section 31 series is becoming less and less a reality. It is, isn't it? It used to be section 31 spinoff series. Was it go? Now it's like the possibility. Is this going to happen? We're waiting for the right time. If all the actors are available, I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Really? That's your new thing. That's what Shazad Latif says. He says that it's all about our schedules. I'm like, dude, you don't have anything going on, man. You're, I'm not trying to insult you, Latif. You're a good actor. You did great work on Discovery. I loved your character. But, dude, come on. But what else do you have going on that's bigger and better than Star Trek? Exactly. The only, the only actor that I understand why they're saying, oh, we're, we could be having schedule conflicts is Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh is everywhere, dude. She's, I mean, she's already working on two other projects. Well, she's working all the time, but... You got to remember, this series was essentially her idea. Yeah. When she found out her character was being killed, she expressed the idea of possibly continuing Giorgio's story through Emperor Giorgio. And she had this entire idea plotted out. And Alice Kurtzman looked at her and said, yeah, I like that. We're going to do it. So (laughs) Giorgio, or not Giorgio, Michelle Yeoh, it was her idea. So her idea. quit being so busy and get your hot little ass back into the set of Star Trek <laughs> and let's start shooting this shit. <laughs> yeah. So Latif said there have been slight, slight rumblings when it comes to the Michelle Yeoh led spinoff. It's just been slight yeses, slight questions, but I have no idea. I think it's down to people's schedules. Yeah. That's what he says. And and I can understand I can understand uh, a character uh, actor like 
Latif being available very easily. Yeah, but I mean, the person that I'm like going it all hinges on is Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Let's get this series done. Let's do it. Let's if you don't have you know what they should do? They should just shoot it and get it in the can right after Picard season two and three wrap shooting. They need to do the exact same thing with section 31. Just shoot seasons one and two back to back. And if those first two seasons do great, you can green light it for a third season and a fourth. And that allows Michelle Yeoh to go out and do what she needs to do. But at least it locks her down and we get those two seasons in the can. And now, of course she'll be back. If the show's a hit, they're like, all right, let's do season three and season four. Now, here's a question, though, Mike. Would you be happy if they didn't bring Giorgio back, though, and still went ahead with section 31? No, I think I feel like we need her. Her story is not complete. And sure, they can bullshit all of us and try to finish her story in Discovery. But we all know the behind the scenes of this and we know what they were trying to work towards so if suddenly they pull away from that it would feel really weird so i'm patient i'll wait but you better not make me wait and not give me anything i'll wait four or five years if i know it's coming i will watch a section 31 series david with michelle yo being 90 years old (laughs) i don't give a fuck just give me the series If we, if we get a series with an old ass like Patrick Stewart running around. Why all, can't we get it with Michelle Hill? All crumply and, you know, banging on death's door. I mean, come on. We can get Michelle Yeoh. She's Asian. They don't age. Yeah. Am I right, David? Oh, no, absolutely. Asian women, dude, do not age. Yeah. You know what? We need to go to a very quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to jump into a little bit of news pertaining to some Star Trek comics. There's a big event series in the work. We'll be right back. alert free stuff is awesome but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off and then we'll load on the free stuff just enter this very exclusive code RAINMAN at checkout and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts including a sexy item for him a special toy for her and a third item you'll both enjoy and six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Star Trek from the Holodeck. We are back. We are here. Make sure you visit us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Rayman Digital Pledge. All right, David, so you ready for some good news and some bad news? All right. All right. IDW, which is the publishing company, the comic book publishing company that owns the rights, or I should say the license to Star Trek, they are launching Star Trek The Mirror War, year-long comic book epic event series. Now, IDW is wrapping up first their two-year-long Star Trek Year 5 series this summer. And that's the sad news. <laughs> that's the sad news. It's a little disappointing. I was unaware that they were going to wrap it up after two years. Well, dude, I mean, like, one of, the, one of the writers, I remember in an article that I read a while back talking about the series and its future. Yeah. 
they basically said they were on borrowed time because the whole point of year five was to actually fill that gap yeah. of where we left off in the, uh, the original series and then get to some semblance of the motion picture. Right. And I was like going, that'd be cool. And that's what they're, that's, if, that's what they're going to do for anybody who is missing, who's not reading this series, you are missing out on some of the best Star Trek writing for comics. Oh, yeah, comics. Star Trek Year 5 is the best comic book series. It is, an, the, is the best Star Trek comic book series we have had in years. It is an absolute love letter to any Star Trek fan who misses the original series and that type of... It's intellectual. It's, it's well thought out. It's intellectual. It is the best of Star Trek. Whenever you think of the best episodes of Star Trek... Year five is that. Yeah. And it's covering the things that we as Star Trek fans have always wondered when you go from the uh, the original series to the motion picture. And that's the whole gambit that all the writers there were talking about is like, they're really trying to get to that point where it's like, no more questions. Year five, the final, the final voyage for this crew happens and then all of a sudden you get into the motion picture yeah but then we're gonna get star trek motion picture year five year five so stupid (laughs) i listen that's not stupid i would actually read that if it's the same team of writers i would read in fact the disappointing thing is that listen i'm excited for this new series anything star trek i'm always looking forward to and if it's comic books i'm looking forward to it as well because we we had so many years where we just weren't getting anything Star Trek in the way of comic books or TV. So now that we're getting things, I'm gladly going to open up my wallet and purchase oh, and read. The only thing is that the writing team behind Year 5, the reason why they did well and the reason why it worked so well is because they decided to tackle that series like a TV like show. a TV show. They wrote it like a TV show and it worked on so many levels. Now, with this new event series that's going to be running for a year long, they're dealing, A, with a, a, t- a thing, an element that I'm not really all about anymore. I used to love the Mirror Universe. But it's, I think it's honestly ran its course. It's ran its course, especially since it was such a big part of Discovery. And I still like it, and I definitely can see that there are more stories I think you could say there are more stories to be told within the mirror universe, but the team that is doing this is the same team that has done all the mirror verse mirror universe comic books. Yeah. The Tiptons of late. And honestly, it just doesn't, the name mirror universe doesn't quite work any longer, especially after discovery season three and how they explained the universes. Is it really a mirror universe? Not really. It's just a parallel universe. universe. No different than uh, the Kelvin timeline and any other timeline that we've seen throughout the last 50 years of Star Trek. So the word mirror doesn't even quite work any longer. Number one, they probably should say like the Terran Empire or the Terran universe, something like that. That would probably work a little better. But it's the exact same team that has been writing the mirror universe tie-in stories. And for the most part, I have not big been a big fan of those for various reasons. I Scott and David Tipton, I just don't think are that great at writing comic books. In my opinion, Star Trek comic books, they are just 
masculine and uh, violent. Everything that Star Trek's not, and I get it, that's the mirror universe, but we're also dealing with Star Trek, and I want something intelligent in my Star Trek. Yeah. And the mirror universe comic books haven't really felt true to Star Trek, in my opinion. The, the main problem that I've always felt with the Tipton's run with Star Trek, and, you know, there's a fan base for them, and a lot of people love their run with IDW, with the with what they were doing with Star Trek, the one thing that the Tiptons do well for themselves is the way they write, they write as fans. They want to have those fan moments. Hey, here's this character. Let's see this character in this, this situation. <laughs> and it feels like every time that the Tiptons take something from Star Trek, it feels exploitive. It yeah. feels more or less like fan service. There's no substance behind it. I mean, a really great example that I keep telling people, you know, and every there there is a fan base for it, is uh, the Q the the Q series. Yeah, that was awful. It was awful. Yeah, it was but horrible. so many people liked it. Why? Because the Tiptons tapped into the fan base and said, "Here's all these characters. Let's throw these all these characters. Here's seven of nine. It was so bad, David. And didn't no we give it like a really low percent on the RMD score? Yeah. Yeah, it's not that great. It's not that great, but the, the fans loved it because you got your fan service moments. Yeah. So I'm hoping that because this is a year-long series and not just a five-issue arc, because I know that's how most of the Mirror stories have been with uh, Scott and David Tipton. It's been, you know, five, six issues, a little event series here, a little event series there but we have not been given a full on run for a year. And because of that, I'm hoping that they have a strategy because a year long event series isn't going to work. If they write this the same way they've been writing the other shows or the other issues, because I do like them at first, all of the, all the stuff they've done. I like it for the first, maybe two or three issues, maybe one or two issues. And then the novelty aspect of it completely wears off and I'm waiting for the story to actually yes. happen. And I keep waiting until it's over. It's just not super great how it's planned out. There are elements that are amazing that are really cool. The concepts are interesting, but I have not witnessed Scott and David Tipton fully flesh out an awesome mirror universe Star Trek comic book yet. I'm hoping this will change this event series will change that for them because it is such an epic event and they're promoting the fuck out of it and the fact that it is replacing the highly intellectual star trek year five series you better follow that up with something fantastic yes now the series will kick off a month early in august with a special star trek the mirror war number zero this zero issue features a new story of Mirror Picard as he's summoned to Earth to face the wrath of his emperor. Uh, Star Trek Mirror War number zero will be available with multiple cover variants. Of course they will. I will say the cover is pretty fucking cool. I do like the cover art. Not going to lie. Pretty snazzy. The cover art's great. It's basically... It goes back to I mean you have covered the mirror one of the mirror comics and I am not a big fan of the artist that is doing this series because he does a lot of like it looks like he tries to do it as a painting 
and there's he overdoes the shading. You talking he about does, the, the cover or the actual the art actual within art, the issue? The art within the issue. Yeah, I'm not a fan of him. Yeah, either. yeah. So I'm hoping this is going to be great. I mean, after September's zero issue launch, they will follow up with a year long storyline issues one through eight. Hold on, let me backtrack. Okay, so following September's issue number zero launch, the series will continue to build a year-long tension with issues one through eight and four interspersed tie-in specials, each highlighting a different member of the Next Generation cast. The first spinoff, One Shot, slated for December, will focus on Data. Once complete, the 13-part saga will chart Mirror Picard's path of conquest across all of the Mirror Universe, stoking the wrath of the Klingon. Cardassian alliance along the way. In the mirror war, we'll be seeing what happens when Picard gets a hold of information that can change the fortunes of the debilitated Terran empire. Yes. Yeah. I'm not uh, 100% on board this. I will definitely get issue zero and possibly issue one, and we will review it on this show and we'll go from there. That's all we can really say. That's all we can really say about it because like, Unfortunately, the Tiptons, it, they're, you either love them or you hate them. Yeah, and honestly, <laughs> the only thing I've ever read from them that I highly enjoyed was something that wasn't written by them. They just adapted it, and it was the, the city on the edge of forever. Forever. I mean, that was an amazing adaptation, but, but it how wasn't. How can you screw that up? It, well, you I mean, can't they, screw They could have, and they probably would have been thrown out the industry. <laughs> how could you fuck up an amazing script so they did do a good job with that but that's the only thing that I've read from them that's Star Trek related that I would say is not just good but it's fucking excellent the Mirror Universe stuff hasn't been that great no. so I'm hoping because this is an event series just to sum up this conversation or this topic I'm hoping that there's a little more effort put into story we'll see All right, so this does bring us to the end of our discussion for today. I want to thank everyone for listening, and thank you, David. Thank you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain? It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.